Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Uh, we are glad to have with us on the microphone, Chief Dan Spizarni, and we're trying not to blow your ears out, Chief, but uh, welcome to uh, our studio here at 429. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you got it. You got it. It's it's been a while. Um, in your words, uh, where, where do you think Erie is at as we enter the summer? Because there's there is some fear and trepidation whenever we enter a summer for, you know, near do wells and people to start acting out. But um, you are you feeling we're pretty safe this summer in 2022 as a community? I. I I believe so. We've we've seen a increase in uptick early in the year here. Um, we've been doing a lot of great work. The officers, the detectives, have really been solving a lot of the cases. Uh, we'll be announcing a, a major arrest later this week. Um, we've got some other uh, gun crimes that we've uh, been solving. Uh, just this week, we cleared a shooting from June nineteenth and uh-huh. arrested a party. Um, and we now have nine new officers that we yes. can start training and uh, helping out. Yeah, and, and again, this is this is kind of a first for in a long time where we've added to the force with without just kind of uh, taking care of attrition, right? Right. For 15 years, all we've done anytime we've hired somebody was solely replacing somebody who had retired. Wow. And, and what is that kind of churn? And, and because there's an expectation that there will be a certain number of officers that retired. They're just aging out, right? Yeah, on average, somewhere between 8 to 10 officers is that a year right? leave. Wow. Um, most of them are aging out, retiring, but some of the officers leave in the middle of their career due to injuries. Um, and that's, I guess we don't always uh, talk about or broadcast that information, but... You know, officers get hurt and can't carry on in the job, and they end up retiring medically. So wow. about we average around 8 to 10 for the last, at least the last five years, I'm aware of. The uh, the, the moment in 2020 uh, of the riots, do you feel like, as you look back, that that was a pivot point for the EPD? It, it was a huge, huge impact on the department. In, in what ways? Uh, attitudinally? Uh, I mean, esprit de corps? What, what kinds of things happen? Well, first off, it was a shock. You know, it wasn't anything that we ever expected out of the citizens of Erie. Um, we know that, you know, the, uh, the George Floyd murder happened, and we weren't, you know, we saw the video ourselves. We weren't happy with how it was handled. Sure. And, you know, people came together that evening early and, and held their protest. And, you know, it, it, was, it was fine. There was no problems. Um, but as the evening wore on, they finished after about an hour. And then some people stayed and then more people. Uh, as people left, other people came and joined. And as it got closer to dark, the, uh, the nighttime brought a different crowd out. Right. People were really trying to have, they had a hard time understanding, you know, how it is, even today, where people are running around with backpacks, that there would be a 
uh, a deposit of, of a pallet of bricks. I mean, like, th- how does that happen? That's a good question. I wish I had the answer. You know, where do people bring all these uh, the mortar round fireworks? Where did all those come from that night that were being shot at us? You know, frozen water bottles, uh, just bricks. Uh, you know, we have video of an individual went up to the gas station and was filling up uh, little bottles, and he was on his way down here when he got stopped. Uh, had he brought in those bottles of gasoline, who knows what would have happened. Oh, my word. So so the, the, the shock led to, uh, of, of that May 30th riot in 2020, led to some real action. And again, my understanding is that the command staff has, has uh, done a lot to uh, reach into the community, had strategic conversations with community leaders. Talk about some of that. Well, you know what? The biggest misnomer is that it started because of the the riots. Yeah. When actually it's been our um, philosophy and and way of operating since Joe Schember was elected mayor and started in 2018. Uh, It was January 2018 when we spoke with the Department of Justice about uh, piloting their new program, SPCP, here. Um, the community relations group was working, but SPCP was another angle that we went for. for. And, um, you know, we, we started working with SPCP. We were starting to do outreach in the community. We we're actually making headway for those first two years uh, in, in George Floyd hit. Yeah. And we, we tried to remind people that that the narrative the national narrative isn't always the local narrative and we are already working towards that it didn't we didn't just start because of george floyd we started two years earlier we didn't want anything to develop like that well and and you you also were in response to some uh some videos that were on youtube and things that didn't reflect very well on the cops at, at some at different points in in the last 10 years or so Right, right. You know, there's a saying that no force looks good anytime that force is used. Um, And the understanding of how much force it actually takes to take someone into custody, it's difficult to explain to people because they've never had to do it. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. The um, and and now everything national is local, you, you know, as everybody thinks that. Well, if I'm seeing this in Milwaukee, it must be happening here. Um, and so uh, talk about this SPCP outreach, because you were on a Zoom call in the middle of COVID before May 30th. I think it was the largest Zoom call I ever had on the show, <laughs> because, you know, that Michael Outlaw uh, set up. And it was it was community leaders. It was pastors. It was, uh, you know, uh you know, you know, folks from the force, the mayor was on it. And we were talking about the strategic nature of these conversations. And, um, uh, you know, do you feel like uh, that goals are being hit with the, with this, this cooperation? I think so. We, we've been doing like today. I'm, I'm in shorts. I was out on a bicycle. We we're doing our summer snack patrol where we nice. visited na- neighborhoods in town and, and met up with the kids and stuff, giving out treats. During the school year, we have the uh, speaker series where we go and sit down with the class of kids and we let them talk to us about what are, what are their feelings about the police and how things should be run. 
one of the surprising things we find is, and, and quite frankly, I was scared. Yeah. I was scared to go into the high schools and talk to these kids about what they thought of the police. And I was honestly very surprised at how many of them appreciated our work. Not all, but a lot did. Their biggest complaint was the safety of themselves in school. And that became one of our major points that we worked on. And, you know, we were in discussions with the school district about it. Um, you know, as things occurred, the school board and the school administration had some different uh, ideas which way to proceed. And unfortunately, you know, we did have an incident recently. Sure. But uh, I think the kids, the kids nailed it. They, their concern was their own safety in school. It's begging my question, you know, to, for you to kind of re, uh, to uh, to comment on Uvalde because, uh, and I and I've asked this of the school district and and how it should come down. Um, my understanding is that that transfer of the incident commander should always go to kind of rise up, and so you know you have a resource officer on scene. But then command comes. Maybe it's city uh, city police. Maybe it's state troopers. What what is what is our protocol here in Erie for uh, you know in an active shooter situation? Did we immediately? Uh, I mean, what? How did that all lay out between school district, city, and state police? Well, with us, it's very easy. Our our MOUs with the schools, the colleges, the schools, the hospitals. Everyone that has their own private police department. They have certain limits to what they can do, and it, it's it's in a, in a, a paper called an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding. And what we've done is we've, we've designated that the Erie Police Department is a full-time uh, large department with, with assets that handle multiple issues. We immediately become um, the scene command when, when we arrive on a department at any of those locations okay well and that kind of clarity and again you train for this stuff that that would you would hope that would eliminate the kind of confusion that happened at uvalde i would think yes yes and you know i'm not familiar with the area down there what the size of the police departments are right. and stuff um you know there's some there's some towns that they probably have more school officers than community officers so i don't know the Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for the, uh, the the complete report to come out. There's yeah. a lot of questions. Um, you know, we'd like to do this with any of the major incidents across the country. Our department likes to sit down and, and look at the review afterwards and make sure that we're best practices and have that pre preparedness. Just from my understanding, would it be appropriate for, for officers at every level to have uh, substantial firepower, long guns, um, shields and so on. I mean, just to have at least minimal resources beyond their service revolver. You know, that was a, that was a uh, big topic. Uh, maybe it was ten or fifteen years ago. Really, where uh, it was a big fight. It may have been longer because it was really that right after Columbine. Okay, that a lot of departments and communities realized that the police need more than just a sidearm. Yeah, uh, they weren't a lot of places. There was a lot of hoopla against police carrying rifles in the car. They, you know, the shotguns had always been there, but the limited range and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but that was something that, again, 
policing evolves because we look at situations that have occurred. We're always reactive. I want to talk about where we are with this youth violence. Uh, first off, we finally are back to the Collins, and the Collins have been pivoting now to middle school. Can you talk about that? Yes. When the uh, program first started, or when it's been going, we addressed mostly the uh, older uh, kids over 18. And then we started seeing that the crimes were being committed by younger kids. So we started um, involving them. And then we started looking at it more recently and said, we need a call-in that's just designed for the under 18 crowd, the very young kids. So we've been working on that. Um, but the school district had also, with the Blue Coats, had been talking about a program for the parents of some of the kids that are identified. Um, and that was just held actually uh, last night. Really? Yes. Wow, perfect timing, huh? Yes. So any observations? I mean, general. Well, in general, I can tell you this, that we thought that they had enough community agencies there to speak, as well as school district people. And we, we thought that, hey, let's pull the police aspect out so more people would be willing to come and listen because some people just don't trust the police. So sure. we pulled ourselves out and, and let them have their program. So honestly... I don't know how it turned out. <laughs> I, I haven't there. talked to anybody today to find out. So, so it was it was a community leader. I, you know, I think uh, uh, you know on, on their on. Are we we're not really dealing with the reentry folks? It, it's more community leaders like Brother D, uh, Daryl Craig, and so on, right? That right. Miss uh, Yvette Jennings was there. Yvette, to speak. Okay. There's some other parents. Did the mayor go uh, to this one or no? We again. We you kind just kind of pulled, pulled law enforcement out. Yeah. Out and just kind of let the school district run it for their parents. It, it, it was loosely based on the call-in strategy. Yes, and I think parental attitudes can be really dicey in with these young kids that are acting out because some of them think, well, my kid has to have a gun just to defend himself. I've heard that remark. So have I. <laughs> And then there's this other thing of, uh, or just the parent is checked out. And uh, uh, I hate to say it, but you hear these stories about, hey, you've reached seventh grade, uh, you can take care of yourself, and they're literally fending for themselves their own their own meals, their own their own schedule, and so they're out at night, and 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 they're just up to up. There, to there's them. children that are being raised by grandparents, and yeah. you know the grandparents. Uh, I was told a story yesterday about one grandparent and had eight eight children that they're raising wow and uh one of the kids has been identified and they were invited to the uh event last night but said hey i've i've got all these other kids that i can't go to this wow. um yeah that that is um it's it's very tough and that's why you know it takes a village to raise kids you need more than just the immediate parents or grandparents one of the major concerns that we we have talked about is the idea that we have a juvenile detention facility, MNL Thomas, that is not designed for hardened, uh, you know, uh, ag aggravated assault or attempted homicide types of 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 juvenile uh, uh, offenders. Uh, what do, I mean, are we structurally able to respond to this rise in youth violence? 
as well, a as a as a whole judicial system. I could say the last six months we we uh, tested their capacity and capabilities. Um, they came through and, and were able to, uh, you know, hold, hold the building together. Yeah. It, I understand that there, you know, there were some complications because they, we really did you know, test the capacity for well, them. Well, and, and, but if, if, I'm a, if I'm a parent of a kid that shoplifts and, you know, you know what, it's, it's bad enough that he has to go to juvie. I don't want my kid near. Uh... They're they're not putting kids in there that are okay. doing those minor crimes. All no. right. Everybody that was up there um, in the detention facility, uh, every I think every one of them was a firearm uh, violation. Really? Is that right? Okay. So so it's it basically the median uh, seriousness of the crime. Unfortunately, in, in the last several months, has really gotten more acute and more extreme. Right. I think I think the uh, the detention up there is really for the uh, violent juvenile, and that's one thing that we hope to uh, to help them out. But when we create our juvenile unit, is to catch these kids before they get to that level. Mm-hmm. Talk about the impact of drugs. There's there's this narrative out there that a lot of these kids are have access to marijuana it it may be even fueling some some of this violent activity have you seen any indication of a drug uh relation at all and maybe in the county even meth well drugs and and well beyond marijuana Uh, you know marijuana has become almost uh accepted uh amongst a lot of people the Problems aren't generally from the marijuana, um, so to speak, but that, you know, some people call it a gateway drug or, or you know, it's just a small time, but it's a, to some people, it's a valuable asset. And when somebody wants to steal it, you know, you never know what kind right. of defense they're going to use if weapons get involved. We saw two homicides recently. Um, uh Patrick Phillips you know was, was selling he, small he was amounts a dealer of, yeah selling small amounts of marijuana and unfortunately some guys went to rob him ended up shooting and killing him and you know we had the same thing happen uh names escape it might might be Devin Way but it was up off Peach Street yeah right you know the, the two simple cases these you know the these kids weren't Hardened criminals or anything, they were just making a little money on the side selling marijuana. So people say marijuana is not a bad drug or doesn't, but it has some of the same violence surrounding it. And that's what people don't know. Well, it doesn't make you violent like, you know, some of the other drugs do. No, you're, you're correct. But it still has that association because people will want it. It's valuable to somebody, and they're willing to to rob you of it. Let's pivot to this. Uh, and uh, uh, Chief, um, you and the mayor issued a uh, op-ed piece in the paper on Sunday. Uh, here's the headline on Go Erie: Mayor, Police Chief, Public Safety is Central to Erie Growth and Success. And you wrote, uh, the public safety is a top priority and basic need of residents 
visitors, employees, and businesses within our city. Our primary goal is to increase the city's population over the next seven years so we can expand our tax base and alleviate the burden on homeowners. If people want to live, work, and play in Erie, they must feel safe. If they don't feel safe, then more than $750 million being invested in the city will all be for nothing. Um, yeah, talk about that strategic connection between where Erie is going and growing and law enforcement and public safety. Well, downtown, you're down here being your first guest. This is fantastic. A short walk from the police station, looking across the street at the construction going on. we got to have people that are willing to come down here and and feel safe and yeah. you know we've heard that from many people over the years i i don't know that i feel safe going down there well you know a lot of work's been done over the years you know the ballpark the uh the warner the arena that they've built that entertainment area up quite a bit and, you know we've got all this new construction here around perry square and downstate you think about erie insurance if you go back 25 years ago 30 years ago that was skid row in in that was, neck of the woods it was, when i came on the job 31 years ago 32 years it, it was like a ghost town after the sun went down downtown yeah, yeah. and it's not that way we've got some very vibrant bars and restaurants downtown now um you know they talk about the connection of this downtown city with the waterfront, mm. you know, and I, I, I look forward to that bridge over the Bayfront Highway down to the State Street. I think that's just going to connect the two, and it's going to be like um, some some other fantastic cities. I was in Greenville, South Carolina last week, and their downtown was fantastic. Mm -hmm. It was a great place to walk around, and I felt safe. And I think if I hadn't felt safe, I would have never gone. Right. So that's the but, key. But what did you see in Greenville? Or it, did you see a, a, a law enforcement presence that was kind of kind of almost readily apparent? Because I feel like that, you know, like if you go to if you go to Times Square, there's police on every corner. Right. And again, that's city. The New York City New York's is a little different. It's a little different, a little right? different. Yeah. But but to know that there's police. And from my perspective as being the chief of police, I want to make sure I I don't need to have a policeman at every corner, but I do have to have enough police officers when that phone rings and somebody's calling for help. I've got to get somebody there quickly. Yeah, I can't make them wait. And uh, that's one of the things that we focus on is that our response time to calls has to be very quick. Talk about... Uh you know, adding nine officers again, they could only work one shift a, uh, a day. So it's literally maybe three more on a shift. Right. But that does that what kind of punch does that give uh, your boots on the ground, if you will? Well, nine, nine new officers would be actually two officers per shift, first, second and third, six. And the other three would be on a day off because oh, of the sure. rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, it takes nine police officers just to put two officers on each shift. It doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're a policeman and you're working as hard as you are, answering mm -hmm. as many calls as you do in a night, any help is greatly needed. And in this case, we're not just hiring them for general police duty. What we're doing is we're trying to create, um, probably with this group of nine, you know, initially I thought we were going to go with the, crisis car but now it seems like with the 
explosion of juvenile crime. We need to bring the juvenile unit back. Wow. And um, and what what is their responsibility, the juvenile unit? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to concentrate on the the crimes that we know juveniles are committing that don't raise to the major level. What happens right now is we prioritize the calls. The detectives are so busy, they're only taking the most serious things. So this is a detective unit, the juvenile unit. This will be a detective unit. So basically, the, uh, you're basically, as, as, as new recruits come on the ground, other people are elevating to a detective status. Exactly. Okay. So it'll be, it's not these officers we hired. They're going right. to become police. The guys that have experience on the street will become the detectives. And they're not just out to solve crime. They're there as an interrupter to crime. Hmm. Take this kid that maybe was just stealing candy bars at a store and we get a call. It, it's for them to deal with those little things, keep them from getting into more serious crime. And working with the DA's office, with juvenile probation, and all the diversion programs that exist. It doesn't have to be a law enforcement solution, but it's a law enforcement help. Sure. T talk about uh, what levers that you have uh, that can um, be a deterrent to juvenile crime. We talked earlier uh, about the call-ins. And, and again, at the call-in, you're kind of explaining, you can go down this road, uh, and this is this. The end result is is incarceration and losing a freedom and losing your youth, or you can you can choose the alternative path. Um, but do you, can you put the fear of God into these young people? I guess. Well, we we try, and it, it's you'll be accountable. You're here because we know your names come up and yeah. stuff, and you're associating with people involved in that. So. We'll gladly lock you up. I mean, we're, we're well equipped to do that. Yeah. But that's not our intention. We want them safe, alive, and out of jail. And How about these neighborhoods that seem to always end up in the in the news? You know, I'll, I'll just say it, like Sixth and Wallace, you know, down. I mean, are we able to clamp down on some, some, of, the, some of the activity that seems to be lawlessness in some parts of town? Yeah. You know, there are times where... It moves around occasionally. Sure. You know, it's been in different locations. Last summer, 6th and Wallace was a, a central point for us. Um, we had the, the garbage men that, uh, you know, had... Got shot at, right? Were, I mean, their truck was shot at yeah. because some other guys were there. Um, we saw a lot of that problems. Uh, that moves around, and that's that's what we do. We redirect our forces to where the problems are existing. Do you... Do you, I mean, would a... And again, I'm not... I'm not blue skying here. I'm just, but I've seen it in other places. They'll 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 have like a mobile precinct. I, I think that's been part of a conversation in the past, hasn't it? Or absolutely. Um, we've submitted our plan for our uh, burn grant. The burn grant is something we did a few years ago on the west side, on West 18th Street, the Little Italy. Yeah. Where we put out the uh, mobile precinct and multiple officers. Um, our burn grant. We were able to get another one, which was quite surprising to a lot of cities. But uh, we've got a great grant writer in the city. Nice. Shout out to Abby Skinner. <laughs> but uh, we have this grant, and it's going to give us three years of mobile precinct and, and foot patrols in the area from East 6th 
to uh, East 26th. And it's going to go from Holland to Wayne Street. Okay, so kind of that it, area that central yeah. east side. Yeah, that is ten percent of the city population. Yet we're getting reports of thirty percent of our crime occur in that area. Yeah. So we're going to make a focused effort with the extra money that the federal government's giving us, and that's why you know the ARP funds are additional monies that aren't you know always available again it's giving us a chance to get our going you know you know whether you're at a a, a business or a company that has adds one employee or 10 employees you know doesn't it feel great that you know that you're getting some extra help yeah talk about your game plan uh, beyond the nine officers that uh, that literally signed in uh, on Monday here, uh, sworn in. What What's next? Uh, what's the whole game plan with the ARP? And then we want to talk about the funding part. You know? Well, right now, they're obviously into orientation programming, yeah. and and uh, they've got about two to three weeks in the station altogether, going through policies, procedures, and all the administrative work before they go into the field tra- training program. They'll spend... Um, four to five months between training and evaluation to make sure that they're, they've got a good handle on what they have to do. Uh, they generally don't go out alone for the first year on the okay. job, but we have to give them our formalized training first. Um, so really, I'm looking about four to five months from now starting the juvenile unit. Okay. And then when are you planning on adding to this nine from the ARP funding? Because you, you don't you have a total goal of 20-something? Or what, what's the, the full amount that you would the like to hire? The full amount that was approved was 21. 21, yeah. Um, we can only hire in blocks of nine. Okay. Because we only have nine training officers. Um, but all of that's really on hold right now because there was a, a motion put through uh, city council that kind of uh, – um, tied our hands on any future hires as of this moment. So until we get that clarified with, with city council, um, anything moving forward is kind of on hold. Do you think that there's a lack of understanding by council of, of, the, of the, uh, the plan? And, uh, uh, or do you think that there's any, uh, anything to this concept that we're over-policed? Well, everybody has their opinions. I obviously think that, uh, you know, we're not over-policing anybody because we still get tons of phone calls about problems that aren't being solved. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you are getting you're getting calls that cannot be responded to or, or uh, crimes that cannot be investigated because of the limitations of the current force. Yes, I mean, I've got, you know, I, I've... One couple that I know, and they've been calling me for probably two, two and a half years about a drug house next door to them. Um, you know, we've used our the resources we have. We haven't been successful in stopping it, but, you know, there's only so much we can do, and that's not an answer they want to hear or any citizen wants to hear. They want to know that we can take care of a problem. Um, and I think we're going to, by having more people, 
be able to handle more problems. So what is what is city government, and maybe this is more coming from the fifth floor, but how are we going to rectify this impasse that caused four council persons to vote for a stopping of the utilization of uh, or, or capping of the police force and utilization of ARP funds for law enforcement? I mean, what's the strategy there to turn this around or at least come to a compromise? Well, I, I hope that... Uh... You know, there, there were lots of, um, we have a lot of support in the community, uh, a lot of organizations that we're, we're looking to work and partner with mm-hmm. that are exactly what the citizens that are complaining that they don't want police, they want money going to this organization. You know, mental health or crisis, well, those people are saying we need the police to be that initial responder and secure the scene. So I guess maybe my message and packaging of it wasn't clear enough for council, and I think I just have to work on on getting that message and maybe bringing some of those other people and agencies in and say, look it, yeah, the citizens are saying they want more money for us, but we would spend that money on having the police go and secure it before we get there. So it's it's just a matter that, Uh, A better understanding, I think, would help. How many uh, requests for ride-alongs has the department received from uh, city council people? Um, I mean, you let let reporters ride along sometimes. Oh, we do. Um, None that I'm aware of, but we've also had the... You had the COVID. We've had COVID, so that's kind of been... I'm just just saying, I mean, uh, there's a lot... To be said for, I'm not calling it ignorance, but just a lack of understanding of really what an officer does on a night shift. And again, I, I'm I'm only I'm only learning this second and third hand, but a lot of what I've seen uh, of, of police interactions are are human interactions. They are. De-escul- I mean, these are trained de-escalators. These are trained people to say, are you having a medical emergency? Is somebody like, you know, you know, flipping out on on Oxy or they're having a sugar attack and, and they're in their collapse? I mean, I mean, chief, I'm not putting words in your mouth, am I? No, not at all. It's 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 a you know, it's a different world when you're really out there. Um, and if you haven't been out there or answering calls with a police officer you really don't know uh, tv doesn't do it justice um on a real nitty-gritty basis um you know i, I don't want to put it on council totally because you know they're a part-time council right. a lot of them have full-time jobs um they're doing the best they can that you know some of them are are, are very new they have a lot to learn um and maybe they're just relying on their impression of it without total knowledge of it. And, and, and it makes me wonder how much of this is affected by national media, national stories, and, and media narratives that may not have anything to do with the reality on the ground in Erie, Pennsylvania. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we we appreciate your time. I just got just one or two more questions here, Chief Spizarni. Uh, the the um, the summer, so bicycle patrols are back online. Uh, we've got a lot of events coming up. 
uh, talk about the confidence that we can have in, in seeing uniformed officers, you know, where we are going to be gathering. Well, just like we, we've done for years, you're going to see, you're going to see the officers out there. You're going to see these nine new officers being trained. Mm-hmm. So you see, an, you know, a two man car and that second officer, if he's looking a little puzzled, it's because he's learning. Sure. And these are some officers that are coming from other, other departments. Erie is not like, you know, every other department that they, you know, most of them come from smaller departments. They're not used to the volume of calls that we take and, you know, how quick we have to deal with a problem so we can get to the next one. So there's a learning curve. But uh, people are going to see us out there and uh, the bikes are up and running and you'll see plenty of us. Beautiful. Uh, again, we we appreciate uh, Chief Dan Spizarni. He is the uh, chief of the City of Erie Police Department. And, uh, Chief, uh, we wish you well this summer. And uh, uh, we'll have you back and, and, and get a report on how things are going. Thank you much. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>